Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Biz busy on the bus. Come on, sometimes, you know when the pregame starts, you got just the music. It's getting ready for Super Bowl Sunday. Athletes on the field. Stuff gets a little intense. You know, you got the guys with the face paint, the announcers on the sideline. You can feel the energy, right? And people are at home. It's an excuse to eat bad. People got wings. They got their house filled. You got people that don't even like sports starting to feel like they want to lean in just a little bit because they like the commercial from last year with the dog or the horse that had no words in it. So you got this pregame atmosphere, all these athletes building up to this climatic moment. Right? All that energy. Where's it going? On a football field. For people that are going to run a pigskin from one direction to the next. Come on, there's a bigger game going on. You can bring that down. I was just going to dance a little bit longer. You can just bump that thing. I like it. You guys, there's a pregame all the time. There's a pregame for many different areas in our life and and the biggest pregame of all is at the end when we take our final breath, whatever that looks like, and we enter eternity, that we stand before God, condemned or accepted. Jesus comes for the sick. He comes for the broken. And when we sing songs, the reason I'm moved to tears so many times is because I'm of which sick and broken. See, unlike the game with rosters that look all eloquent and six foot five and 320 and went to Syracuse or, you know, when they do the, went to University of Miami, the U, someone's like the Ohio State, someone's like Spartan Dogs and they got their bio and they're shredded and you got dudes that never look like they could play. They're talking about them and they're announcing and their bios. The bio of Jesus is flawless, and the bio of us is broken, and that's the awesome connection. That's the key thing. We're broken. He's perfect. So if you're in this place today, and you've, you, you like, I, I, I've never really met Jesus. I've met a lot of tradition, or I met a lot of different versions. I would just invite you, lean in this morning, because there is a doctor that is so good there's a gain that is so real and that he won it for all of us and that we're all accepted in him. So when we say you belong here, we mean white, black, rich, poor, old, young, and all in between. You belong here because we're all God's kids. Come on, somebody. Let's go. So whether you hate sports or you love sports, today is for you. It is a good thing. Today is much more than just a game. It is an opportunity for us to look at preparation and how that looks. In our day-to-day, our families, our job, our dreams, and the stuff that we are trusting and believing for, or even some of the weaknesses and the, 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 the doubts that have crept in, the failures that have crept in. And our pregame looks a lot like losing too often. I remember my pregame, uh, the, the NFL highlight of my life was sixth grade, playing bath, six carries, four touchdowns, 163 yards, and I sat out the second half. I always thought that should have been featured in the Sports Illustrated, you know, like 
stories that were really cool. That was the, the peak of my NFL experience. My cousin, uh, my dad's an identical twin. My cousin's 6'4", 305 uh, when he played uh, uh, in college. And so he went to Vanderbilt and then he actually was in the NFL for two, three years on the practice team and then on the team. Um, so, so we know about sports growing up. We know about sports. His, he got a little further, but I still think my sixth grade was, it was just as, as powerful and just as potent. Um, and then in ninth grade, I realized I wasn't the fastest when I got, you know, horse collar tackled behind me. And then I, like, my whole career fell in front of my face. I'm like, I am no longer going to the NFL. Ninth grade, kickoff return, Mason, I was gone. And then I got pulled like that. And then that's really, in that moment, I calculated, it's not bath anymore. I'm done. And so I, uh, I, I just, I, I really want to package this right. Sports um, can divide so many people. This is not about sports. It's about pregame and preparation and getting the plays from the playbook. This is about getting our coach who's perfect. We all long to be led. We all long to be a part of something great. Why do you think people are fanatics at these football games? Why? Because we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We do. We long for it. That's why when people join some type of business or organization, they might wear the jacket, they're wearing the logo proud. When they join the military, they, they feel really accepted. And sometimes it, that even looks like gangs and it looks like drugs and it looks like bad relationships too because we long to belong. We long to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Well, the good news is we have a coach. We have a playbook that gives us the exact assignments and we have a team and our team wins. Our team wins because he won. Let's turn to Acts chapter one. And uh, what, what, what this is, is uh, we're going inside the playbook. We're going in the Bible. And the Bible is alive. It's not just meant for head knowledge. It's meant for heart application. There's something different when you read something and you don't think it's real. But when, when you start to get changed by it, it becomes alive and it's living and you need it. And it's your daily bread. It's the living water that you need. And that's the type of invitation. That's the type of posture I would invite you to experience, whether you've never read anything or you've read this dozens and dozens of times. This is still real to transform us this morning right here. Acts chapter one. So the book of Acts is all about the acts of God in a way that describes what's taking place as the church is growing post-Jesus' resurrection. So Jesus, he raises from the dead. It's affirmed by tons of people, so much so that we're meeting in a school today that he can change radical lives, impacting them like me and like you. And then maybe you're here and you're not changed yet, but today's your day. He wants to change you. And he's just asking for your sin to give you his righteousness if you would exchange by faith today. So there's a little bit of the backdrop of what's going to happen here in Acts chapter 1. You have the risen Jesus. I mean, this is touchdown Jesus next level. Okay, you got the touchdown Jesus in the Notre Dame end zone. And you got the big statues and, you know, Jesus. And Jesus is so, um, he's so commercialized. He's, I'm just, I get aggravated sometimes. It's just not him. Jesus would be like a hippie hanging out with 12 people. He was making a lot of chaos and a lot of ruckus. He got, he got uh, confused with being a friend of sinners and he got accused of all different types of things because he just didn't fit in. He didn't fit in not because he was trying to dog order an authority. He didn't fit in because he was prioritizing the right things, people. 
prioritizing the lowest and prioritizing all new different things. And so he is going to now equip his followers, equip his believers with an assignment, with a game plan. Verse four, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Come on, if your coach tells you something, you just listen. If you've ever been in a huddle, it is the worst for the guy who questions every play. Oh, I think coach should have ran this play. You know, I think he should have ran this play. I could just imagine Thomas. This is, that would be Thomas. Thomas, there's a, Thomas is one of the disciples. He's, uh, he's called Doubting Thomas. He needs to see Jesus. Jesus loves him so much. He actually shows up and lets him you know, touch his wounds and everything, um, the scars rather. And, 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 and if Thomas, I, kinda, I get the picture of Thomas like little Eeyore and just be like, I thought coach should have ran a different play. I think coach should have ran a different play. But wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. God is gonna give them something new. God is giving us something new. This access is alive for us today. So when they had come together, they asked him, it's like us right now, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They're like, can't we just get to the Super Bowl? <laughs> I mean, come on. Why do we have to wait any longer? You're the man. You rose from the dead. Punk everybody out. Bring the angels. Bring the legion. Bring the doom. Let's crush this place. I'm out of this city. I've been hurt. I see that you're the king. I'm gone. And he's like, slow down, little homie. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. That's the coach. It is... Decide the game plan. But you, us, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to all of the ends of the earth. God tells them to wait because he's gonna give them something. And they are going to receive power that's gonna spread throughout all of the earth. If they just would Adhere, heed to the game plan. This is the pregame. It's not the game yet, but it's part of it. Because preparation is pivotal, critical. Any word you want to insert to put it priority in your life, in my life, we have to prepare. Here's a definition of preparation. It's the action or process of making ready or being made ready for use or consideration of something done to get ready for an event or an undertaking. They are getting ready for the big time show under the lights. They're getting ready to go execute the mission. They're getting ready because they've been now cleansed. They've been set free. They've been washed clean and they're going to get power if they just will wait and prepare. They just will stop and slow down if they will heed, if they will put importance on this and be ready for use or consideration. Be aware, prepare. That's the big thing I hope everybody takes away today, that God is telling us to be aware and prepare. Now, grace can be too often abused because we have grace and it's, it's awesome. Like we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We've been washed and he takes my mistakes and it's awesome. There's grace. But you guys, if we just, just sat around all day and never really lived it, what, 
what does that show about our grace? It's kind of cheap grace. Grace compels us to move. It compels us to act. It compels us to prepare because we recognize there's something of supernatural proportions. There is something. You prepare for what is important to you. So the question we have to ask ourselves, what am I preparing for? On a daily, what am I preparing for? Do we get the plays from the master and we get plays from our coach and then we just kind of throw it to the sideline. We're like, wait, come on. Aren't you going to come and just fit into my sphere and you want me to honor what you told me to do? Has God ever asked you to do something and you disobeyed? (laughs) Come on, somebody. God's asked me to do a lot and I've disobeyed. God's asked me to wake up earlier many days and I've disobeyed. Uh, I've disobeyed and I didn't prepare for what he had for me. We're all preparing for something. Some of us on the weekend, we're preparing for the club. Some of us, we love hosting people, so we get the dinner because it's so important to us and we get it all ready. And when people come, it's game ready for dinner night. And maybe game night and you prepare and you get ready or you're preparing for a job or you remember preparing for a test and it went really, really bad. And so maybe your preparation has continued to look like failure. So what you've done is not prepare anymore. And then we just give up on that. And then we say, "Mm, I'm preparing actually just to lose because I've been a loser my whole life. That's not the preparation we need. That's not the the importance uh, and the significance and the assignments that we're getting. I was in a flag football league and it was awesome. It was uh, us trying to relive my sixth grade football time. And it was so cool because we had a bunch of girls that would come, you know, all of our wives, their girlfriends, and they'd cheer us on. And we had a lot of talent. We had a couple guys that played college football, big time college football. One was at Alma, one was at Olivet. It was huge time college football. And we had my buddy who owns a pizza shop and he's throwing touchdowns galore. We got two people that are rushing in. I mean, our team, we felt we were swag on deck. So what that means is that we just were sweet. We're ready, we're prepared. And that, we, that, that season, we were undefeated all the way until the very very last game. Our talent had got us so far. Our talent, uh, our plays look like this. Dude, why do we have to have a huddle? Come on, just go out and run it. Like seriously, that we were so annoying, right? You get the guys that are in the men's league and they're just so prepared. And uh, we're just like, what in the world? We're eating at Arby's before and after because it's right over by Aim High, the summit. And that is like, I am seriously, I'm not even exaggerating. That is just us. We, we didn't really care. Guys showing up late, start a game without one, one or two people because we had the talent. But have you ever heard this, that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work? Oh, we got exposed in the championship game. We took for granted a team that um, uh, we beat pretty bad during the year. So we're like, yes, we're gonna win the trophies. This is sweet. We're gonna be able to talk about it forever. These guys came with uh, plays on their arms and, you know, like the, the plastic things. And they came with like headbands and everything. They, I mean, they were the two point version, 2.0 version of what we saw earlier in the year. These guys early in the year, um, just, they were weak sauce. And they stepped up so far. They knew everything. It's like they were scouting us. Not one play worked. I think we scored seven points. They crushed us. And so we left that place thinking, well, well, we got, you know, we got second. We got to do it our way. But if we're honest with ourselves, we just had a lot of talent and we didn't prepare and we didn't prepare well. And that is some people's story because you're so talented. So you feel like you don't have to prepare. 
And then for others, your story has to be the hard work. And for both of us, if we're really compelled by grace, it should always be the hard work and the preparation. Always, always be the preparation. And what preparation looks like in the body of Christ, and if you're not in the body yet, man, I, I would just say, Jesus is worth it. Join the team. Psalm 27, 14 says this. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. What did Jesus tell him? To wait. This is so foreign to our day-to-day because we think we always have to act when God oftentimes tells us to wait. Isaiah 40, 31 But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait. Waiting is an action. Jesus waited for his time. Jesus prepared. We see Jesus at an early age, at 12, in the temple teaching people. So he shows up in the most, you know, religious environment and he starts running things and he starts learning and he, and he, and he just kind of steals the mic, if you will, and his parents find him and then it says that he obeyed them for the rest of his time. I mean, because he didn't know where he was in that moment. And the point there though is Jesus has time and preparation before he shows up at about 30 years old and we start learning about the Jesus that, we, that we've either heard about or that we're hearing about this morning for the first time. And it, because waiting was an active part to a season in preparing. Sometimes it's like game film. Sometimes it's resting and meditating in a dark, quiet space. Sometimes it's watching others do something that you want to do. Have you had a dream? Have you wanted to maybe create movies or music or a restaurant and you've waited and you've watched and you've been preparing. That's awesome. That's part of it. Ecclesiastes chapter three talks about the different seasons. For everything, there is a season and a time for every manner under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. We've all experienced this. We've seen people be born and we've seen people die. There's a time to plant and there's a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. Isn't this the rhythms? This is, it paints the exact picture of life. A time to weep, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to mourn, and there's a time to dance. I have a dance move, it's called the cricket. So if you ever want to use it, it's just like cricket, cricket, boom, boom, cricket. There's a time to dance. It's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, and there's a time to tear, and there's a time to sow, there's a time to keep silence, and there's a time to speak, there's a time to love, and there's a time to hate, there's a time for war, and there's a time for peace. What season are you in? Sometimes the seasons blend over. But we have to accurately assess the season we're in. Too many people have misassessed me in my life. They've seen where I was at in my current reality, and they didn't see either God's season for me or where God would take me. And then they would just 
uh, narrowly uh, put boundaries or parentheses on my life by just that season alone. Look at you. That's exactly what you'll be. So narrow-minded because God had another season for me. God had different things as I would prepare and I would develop and I would um, lose and I would get back up and I would win and we would cry and then we would fight and we would laugh and we would grow and they didn't see it. People here, people have misassessed the season and who you are and you have to see it. You have to get a glimpse for how God sees you of where you're going. The season you're in today isn't the season you'll be in tomorrow. I bet when Michael Phelps showed up to win eight Olympic gold medals as a little kid, not everybody saw it. I'm sure some saw it. His coach saw it. He prepared as an Olympian in the offseason and was preparing when nobody was looking in the pregame. And so all the hype built up to something that they've been ready for. They've been calculating. They've been developing constantly. Let's prepare. Let's address the season we're in. The season to plant, there's a season to reap, there's a season for harvest. That's exactly, I mean, Michigan, we're in the true four season state, okay? So we got spring, we got summer, we got fall, and we got winter. Winter's kind of depressing, but it's gonna be kind of cool because it's spring outside right now. And Joe Frazier says this, you can map out a fight plan or a life plan, but when the action starts, it may not go the way you planned and you're down to your reflexes. That means your preparation. That's where your road work shows. If you cheated on that in the dark of the morning, well, you're going to get found out now under the bright lights. Proverbs 6 says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. It's kind of stern. Learn from their ways and become wise. Ants are fascinating. This proverb is fascinating. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Preparing. Proverbs 20, verse 4, those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Prepare. I pray that something is igniting so strong deep in our hearts that we look at preparation right. All of the greats of the world that we've inspired to be like, that we have admired from the guys like Walt Disney to your favorite movie director to your favorite musician, what they have in common for sure is they prepared. Now in Christ, uh, here's a disclaimer. Even if we lose and when we prepare and when we lose the game and things don't go well, that, it's okay, we're accepted but we're preparing because we see his beauty and we see his worth and we're trying to execute that and fulfill that and be in the game for him. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, verse 27, it says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize, so that so run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So what this means is this. Us that have followed, decided to follow Jesus, and for those that are going to decide today, we have an imperishable crown. Nothing 
will stop our prize. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating in the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And the author there is Paul, and the whole chapter talks about this, that no matter where people come from, I'm gonna try to reach them. And I'm gonna do everything I can to glorify my coach, and I'm gonna glorify my master, and I'm gonna discipline myself because I love people and I love him. Come on, I, I'm like Alan Iverson. I hated practice. Practice? Come on, I, I, love, I loved sports, but I could not stand the weight room. Never, never did. I, I was good at school, hated homework. So preparing was not native for me. Preparing was foreign. Preparing was a discipline that I've had to develop, and it's a dance that I've had to learn. And so you can too. We can too. It's worth it. We can prepare. A few quotes that I think are awesome for today. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. We all want to do something of epic worth. And maybe we got to wait. Maybe we got to stop. Maybe we got to prepare again. Abraham Lincoln, I will prepare and someday my chance will come. And success is where preparation and opportunity meet. Prepare. So as we close, I want to invite uh, maybe the worship to come pray some, or I mean play some angelic tunes in the background that makes us feel all warm and fuzzy and consider the deep truths that are spoken today. And it's cool. We have to know the season we're in. If you're not in the pregame about to go on the Super Bowl, then don't, don't act like it. If you're in the off season and you're not supposed to talk a lot, then don't talk a lot. And if we're in a place where we feel uh, convicted that our current job maybe doesn't reflect where we want to go, then, then we got to prepare. And we write those things down and we lay it before the Lord and we have to know the season we are in. And this is imperative to understand you have purpose in Jesus. You don't prepare if you don't believe that. So if you don't believe that today, then, then, then it's going to be hard to even want to be compelled to do anything more. But you do have purpose in Jesus. I have purpose in Jesus. They all have purpose in Jesus. You, every single one of us, have purpose in Jesus. Not just us that come up here on a stage and, and me that spaz out. And, and uh, sometimes you wonder, is, man, is, is he in sixth grade again where he's uh, on the bath football field? I think it makes sense to me now. I understand him more. In Proverbs 28, 19, it talks about working our own land. And three things I want to highlight for us is waiting is an action and to inspire us to bloom where we're planted. I think we miss too much because we want to leave too quick. And God's telling us to wait. He's telling us, you got your team. You got all the people you need. Stop, bloom where you're planted. Work your land. Work your land. 
I used to believe the lie many times and it's still challenging to this day. I get hiccups and temptations of it is that tomorrow will be better if I get this or if this one person comes then my, my music will, will be better or if we could just find a drummer and, and, and that would constantly be kind of how I evaluated things and I got freed of that. I was listening to a, a, a message one time driving home from the car lot and the message was this. You have everything you need to succeed on your way home. It's already in your life. And it was figurative to mean this, that the people, the relationships, the timing, the placement was exactly where God wanted me. Exactly. And you're not free because you never really embraced that God has you exactly where he wants you. You're in the right season. Look at it accordingly. Take what you need to grow and bloom where you're planted and be excited and go. Be excited and go. Get in the game. Get in the game. So next week when we watch it, let, it, let, let our life be this. I want our lives to be a life worthy of reading about. And reading about can look as simple as I'm at my son's uh, sixth grade, or I mean, um, six-year-old basketball game, first and second graders. You can imagine the skill set, right? And the things they do and they joke around and they laugh and they run and, and, and the ref stops and he ties this kid's shoe. And I thought, there's a life reading about right there. He didn't have to tie the shoe. Coach could have done it. He didn't have to. He could have literally like ignored it because all the parents are watching him and he did it just because that was important to him. He was in the game for the things that matter. The things that matter. The things that matter is this, the good news of Jesus, the return of Jesus, and we prepare for him to find us about his business in the game because he is alive and it is good. So our lives and our family and our jobs and our city now look a lot differently. They look through a lens of preparation. They look through a lens of execution and they look through a lens of that we're excited and that we're going. Let's pray. God, I thank you for um, your truth this morning, that you care and love me and you care and love each person here more than we could even think or imagine or fathom. That you love us so much that you sent your only son to die in our place for our sin, the guilt and the shame we feel, the insecurities we feel, the longing for acceptance that we have and that you wanted to make us right by us exchanging our filthy lives and putting our faith in Jesus. God, I pray that you would um, birth some callings in people right now. Some shoe-tying moments in people right now. Some moments that the way they, they, they drive home it doesn't look like an eyesore anymore or we don't complain about the roads, but we start to think about a redemptive reality that we're preparing for an awesome game. We're preparing for an awesome king and an awesome coach. And we're waiting so that we can proclaim your goodness and power to all of your children. Thank you for that movie that you're putting inside of our brains right now by the Holy Spirit that many of us are starting to get hope again and, and get excited to prepare for to be better at their career, better in their homes, better at, at uh, friendships and better in the relationship 
with their spouse and they're dating and they're gonna start preparing, preparing in a worthy manner because it's important, preparing. So our pregame would be filled with excitement to your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.